0: Before we get into the episode, we want to let you know we are gathering another Attaching to God Learning Cohort. In it, you will escape your anxious jungles and avoiding deserts of faith and grow into secure attachment with God and with others. This is a one-of-a-kind six-week cohort combining recorded teachings and live cohort calls. You can get all the details at embodiedfaith.life slash learning dash cohorts. Or see the show notes for details after the description. So what is fear really for? Can you dive into risk without totally freaking out? Why has God done these things and set us up in a certain way? That is what we're talking about today. My name is Jeff Holzclaw, and this is the Being With podcast, where we're seeking to integrate neuroscience and faith. And we're brought to you, brought to you by Grassroots Christianity, which is seeking to grow faith, for Everyday People. So I'm excited to have a good friend, Jason Clark, with us today. He is a senior pastor of Sutton Vineyard Church in London. Yeah. Jason is a doctor and a professor of theology. He also designed and leads the leadership and Global Perspectives Doctor of Leadership Program at Portland Seminary, which is super exciting. He writes and blogs and podcasts at jasonswanclark.org, and he's writing a cool book, which we're not talking about today, but he's writing a book on mental health and faith. Jason, welcome to The Being With. Hey, great to be with you, Jeff. Yeah, so so we're going to be talking about fear and yeah. risk yeah and these types of things how is it that how do these things fit together is fear a good mm-hmm. thing is fear a bad thing mm-hmm. um but you and i have known each other for i don't know 15 or 20 years back when yeah, we were deconstructing be. and reconstructing our faith uh in different ways and we then
1: both had, we both had a lot more hair
0: that's true that's true we had a lot more hair back when uh we knew each other we uh you know, both had I think, a lo-
1: i think sorry it's, i think it's more like 20 years
0: yeah, I think it is close to 20 years because it's oh, really? 2011 now. So. Yeah. Yeah. So but then we each got our doctorates uh, and yeah. we've been pastoring so we kind of, you know, didn't stay as connected, but a little, recently we reconnected kind of around this neuroscience and faith and theology yeah. uh at, at a pretty high level because we're both kind of nerds, pastors and theologians. Mm-hmm. So but today we're going to kind of keep it a little more accessible and we're going to be talking about fear and you were reading a couple different things. So uh, this is a kind of a different episode than some of our other ones where, you know, uh, someone has written a book or, and I'm just kind of walking them through it, but like, I'm actually going to be more of the learner today and you're going to be like teaching me about some of these things and then I'm going to be interjecting. No pressure. No pressure. So you were reading about Navy SEALs and it kind of made you go, huh, interesting. So why don't you tell us kind of about this?
1: Yeah. So um, in terms of leadership, there is, I mean, there's a whole tranche, isn't there, of these books by Navy, ex-Navy SEALs, or in the UK, we've got SAS guys who write books on leadership and stuff. And uh, one of my favorites by is like extreme ownership. Uh, they always have to great adjectives like that. But this guy, uh, Jocko Willink uh, has written some leadership books, but this article was fascinating because it was about how this ex-Navy SEAL is studying a particular cognitive space and place and practice where Navy SEALs are a risk-averse. And then he's extrapolating that against, you know, the general public and leadership issues. But mm-hmm. the presenting issue, I'm reading it, and I'm like, okay, this is fascinating. And and But what's at the center of this article is what he's studying is from cognitive science is that moment when we have an opportunity to do something, but something within us kicks in and makes us resist the action we need to take. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how, I mean, it could be a dangerous situation, which often is for a Navy seal, but, but anything to do with opportunity is perceived cognitively as risk. And we have this instinctive response as tiny space where we pause And the longer we pause, and the longer we take to take action, the less likely we are to take action. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm reading this, I'm thinking, this sounds familiar. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a Navy SEAL and have to take some of those actions, but we do know as Christians what it's like to be presented by opportunities and then say no to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we're both in the same church tradition, and... Uh, we talk about faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. Everything right. we want is on the other side of fear and risk. So I just found it fascinating that, you know, here, here again from at a popular level, but based around neuroscience and understanding is, is a way to see that place and space where we miss out on things in life because of this reflex that kicks in to say no or pause. Um, I put it really crudely. There are some people in my church who, and I probably have done the same, when they say, I want to pray about it, what they mean is I have no intention of ever doing anything about that thing ever. Um, And again, that place and space, neurocognitively, what happens is the longer we take to take action, the less likely we are to take action. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was the article and got
0: me thinking about that. So why why does he say that we hesitate before an opportunity? Is there is there um Yeah, one of the reasons uh, that he feels out because I could guess, but I want to know. Well, he's drawing he's drawing on the science,
1: and that the the science would say it is just something that human beings do. Mm -hmm. Um it's probably to do with self-preservation, it's a fear instinct um but in the face of really good things and things that we should do it kicks in so it just and it, it's just is it's just something that's observable and takes place cognitively within us um and the and the way of dealing with it which again is you can make immediate links to faith yeah. is is to spot that moment that to it's about attention on that moment and the resistance and to use the awareness of the resistance to take action, um, and then that's got whole loads of correlations with the Christian life. So um, Saint Ignatius, the, the idea of
0: acting against—you familiar with that? I'm actually not. So my, okay. I'm f- I'm familiar with Ignatius. I'm familiar with like yeah. the examine and the attachments and all yeah. those types of things. But the acting against—what's what is that?
1: It's abs- absolutely. Genius. So Ignatius noticed this tendency. And again, so before, long before cognitive science, Ignatius of Loyola is noticing the tendency of saying no and resisting and not responding to things that God presents us with and invites us into. So the spiritual discipline he developed is called acting against. So the moment I don't feel like doing something, I'm fearful. I'm tired. I resist it. That is the moment when you take action. So you use the attention of that awareness and you use it transformatively. Ah, that's this. This means take action, not this means don't act. Mm-hmm. Now, again, so Jocko Willenick would, would be saying what they've discovered neuroscientifically is if you start to do that as a practice and take action, you close that space down. And become someone who has an instinct and a habit to say yes and take action instead of no and resistance. And I just find it fascinating that Ignatius discovered this long before a Navy
0: SEAL did. Well, I've I've been finding that regularly that uh, yeah. what co- cognitive science, neuroscience, behavioral sciences find out to be true about humanity. You can bet that the spiritual traditions had already kind of stumbled upon, if not had outrightly. excavated, you know, for (laughs) human well-being. That just seems to be. Have you experienced that too? That just seems to be shown over and over again. Yeah,
1: I think you know, just getting ready for today thinking, having, I mean, it's 24 years since we planted the church that I'm in and and I've always been fascinated by when you get to teach about spiritual disciplines or habits or anything that says this is the way the world works if you participate with God.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Any evidence of that in every other dimension of life the psychological the behavioral you go yeah this this isn't wishful thinking this is how human beings are this is how the world can work i think it's very empowering uh, to to find those those connections mm-hmm. and like you say you know to see that yeah christians you know without realizing it intuitively or through just the sheer scale of the practice of billions of christians over <laughs> thousands of years found that there are better ways of living that tap into this environment and i think that's what's happening now we've actually got the sciences catching up and able to see that
0: place and space that we couldn't see before yeah and it definitely lends kind of truth to kind of ancient wisdom that I think, you know, these spiritual traditions have already had. So for this idea of taking risk and fear, so I would fill out a little bit that, why Mm -hmm. do we hesitate? You know, we often hesitate because we, uh, you know, at a very basic level, we're kind of wired for preservation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're wired to, and by wired, I mean like, like our, our nervous systems, uh, uh, you know, our behavior systems are wired to keep us from dying uh, unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and, because of that, we're always looking for the worst case scenario. So this, this good thing probably yeah. isn't as good as, as I think, or this opportunity is a trap or, yeah. right. So we have all of these kind of, you know, and that's like from a, like a real basic nervous yeah. system level. But and then, you know, we've, we've grown up to be disappointed and we've had parents that weren't quite as, you know, loving or supportive as we thought. Right. So then we have all this experiential knowledge that kind of reinforces that, you know, basic survival kind of instincts and knowledge. So, People hesitate uh, for those good things, probably you know, because they have all this data that says so. Yeah. So, why should they risk more disappointment? Why, Jason? Why should we risk more disappointment to move forward to grasp that opportunity? Why? Why take the risk as a pastor, as a theologian, or as a cognitive you know <laughs> researcher? Why take the risk?
1: Well, I like uh, a quote. I. I'm sure I've heard it from Michael Hyatt, but he may have got it from someone else. Everything we want is on the other side of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's true. Um, I mean, if we just trace that, I mean, you're more aware of this than me. Trace fear through the Bible. We're told not to fear, not to be scared. Um, Every time God does something, the first thing he tells us not to do is not be afraid um, and calls us to take action around what he brings to us. Now, yeah, the, the, the neuroscience shows us how that works, why we're hardwired for preservation, and why we do that, and how we can practice differently and be formed differently. I I like the theological, atheological perspective on this, which is it's about recovering who we were meant to be and how we were meant to respond to God. So why would we say why would we say no to God? Effectively, that's what we're doing. I mean, none of us consciously say, I say no to God. I refuse him. Mm. We just ignore him. We avoid him. That place and space is where God brings opportunities to us about who we are and what our future could become. And we and we have this reflex of no, later. And, and we're missing out. We're missing out on who we could become. We're missing out on what God would bring into our lives. Um. Mm. Ooh, that would that's, be the reasons, that's too, heavy, right? Man, you
0: are preaching there. So, saying yes to fear, yeah. saying no to God. You know, uh, I think was it Zach, was it Zach Williams, or uh, yeah. his, uh, Fear is a liar song. I don't know. Uh, if I know. mean, he was that kind of crossed the pond, you know.
1: Yeah, like, so uh, that book, feel the feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, yeah, Susan Jeffers, wasn't it? You know, f- feel the fear and do it anyway. I mean, that was a therapeutical book more. And if if you want better things in life. To achieve who you are and what life is about, you've you've got to experience fear and take action. Um, mm-hmm. And every single story in Scripture is the call into the unknown with risk. You said something interesting about um, dying, because that's really at the heart of this, isn't it? We, you know, we fear. What's the old ad? People fear speaking in public. I might die. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know anyone who actually has died from public speaking. <laughs> literally i mean with my kids i've had moments with my kids where they've you know you try and be a good parent and you see their fear and you see that place Mm -hmm. and you try and encourage them and say it's okay even if it goes wrong you won't die Mm -hmm. but but in a way something is dying and and from a christian perspective what is dying to self it is that place where we want to preserve ourselves keep ourselves alive keep ourselves protected Mm -hmm and risk is and responding to god when he invites us into something and taking action is the way to participate with christ and to put that part of ourselves to death mm. so that a different us can be formed mm. so again when, when when cognitive science shows i love this when when it shows that your brain rewires itself and epigenetically parts of who you are as a human being are switched on by taking action and stepping into risk it's like well of course because mm-hmm. that's the way God made us to be.
0: Yeah. For sure. So there's a lot to unpack there which was really great. So I was talking about like this fear of dying, like this literal fear. But we yeah. also have this social fear of dying, of being excluded, mm. of being ridiculed, of being shamed. And you know, and yeah. that's probably more where the public speaking thing comes in. Yeah. Is, I, I fear social exclusion, a social the social death. Um and yeah. yet there is there is that sense in which, um, as people of faith, um, our biological and even our social lives are not our ultimate destiny. And and that's where, in Scripture, the, the the call or the statement, do not be afraid, is always, just about always, coupled with another phrase, which is, I will be with you. God's saying, I will be with you in the midst of this. I will go into the land before you. I'll be in the midst of fire. Uh, yeah. And so... So, the social need, as well as the physical survival need, God says i "I am there with you," and so you don't need to fear in the midst of that." And to cave into fear yeah. is in a sense to like you said, it's not just saying no to God, it's saying no to the way God has made us is that we before we jumped on, you said that we uh, before the fall we were made to say yes to God, uh, oh. and that fear is ways of saying no to God. So could you fill that out just a little bit? yeah because again i mean this that's more i'm not a neuroscientist
1: i just like to peek over the fence into this stuff but the theological stuff is more is something i'm familiar with so you know human beings were made before god to receive from him god was god would say go here yes do this yes have this in your life yes um it must have been instinctive in a prelapsarian area and in a pre-fallen condition to say, yes, God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So from the fall, we can see many things from the fall. However, you know, we understand that happened. So separation from God. Mm-hmm. And so if we just take separation from God, which touches on something that you just said, we fear saying yes to God because we believe he won't be there. Mm. we believe we have to protect ourselves we have to provide for ourselves um and it's actually the opposite it's saying yes to what god says to us has become a difficult thing to do because of the fall but if we say yes to it that's where we discover that god is with us so why does god have to keep reminding us that he's with us if god says if god speaks to us and says go here do this why would he not be with us Mm-hmm. It's because we have this inbuilt condition that we're we're on our own. We are isolated, and that's that all stems from the fall. And you see it in the story with uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and immediately hiding from God, um, and He has to approach
0: them. Mm-hmm. Make any yeah. sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, when it comes to not just these survival instincts or fear, um, yeah the the whole process or the whole field of like psychology, neuroscience, cognitive science, mm-hmm. I take this as kind of investigations into our our animal nature, um, that God created mm-hmm. us. You know, as the story goes, uh, in Genesis 1, we were created on the sixth day and right. all the other animals, you know, were created on the, outside of the fish and the birds, right? But, you know, we'll yep. just say the mammals uh, were, were created on the sixth day. <clears throat> and so when we investigate these things, whether it's, Mm-hmm. Um, attachments whether it's kind of poly polyvagal theory of your nervous system mm-hmm. with cognitive science uh, all psychology you know and all the different branches <clears throat> excuse me when you look at all those things for me it's like yeah we should we should listen to these things and learn from them mm-hmm. but then theologically i'd say but humanity was invited into the seventh day with god in mm-hmm. a way that it seems that the animals were not And so what does that mean for, you know, our animal nature or our survival instincts or whatever evolution has given to us? Um, Is that the final horizon for understanding what humanity is? And I would say no. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so things like um, the things you want are always are only on the other side of fear. Well, um, in one sense, animals don't think that way. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. their wants and desires are kind of contained within their fears um, and their needs and their necessities, right? And they don't have a, hor- a horizon that's broader than yeah. those types of things. Uh, and so so we're created for the seventh day, uh, and that's partly why God says, don't be afraid. Um, it's okay to survive it's okay to respond instinctively to situations that are dangerous but don't let those become ruminations don't let those become advanced plans don't let those become working models that control all of our behavior because yeah. then the fear is going to be robbing us from those things yeah well you know
1: my limited understanding consciousness that human beings have uh, is something that we possess our ability to anticipate the future to make sacrifices for the future to or not, mm-hmm. is unique amongst other creatures. Um, and, and, that, and that is the place and the space where we have consequences to how we anticipate the future and whether we take action or not. Um, and it's into that place and space that God calls us to the future that he has for us um and but part of us has to take risks part of us has to part of us has to under well i mean we have a choice don't we because we can we can understand the way the world works uh away from christianity you know have lots of money be protected guarantee things Mm -hmm. avoid things but god's god's economy god's kingdom if it's a real thing and it's activated in the world we participate it in it in a particular way and for christians It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is God's economy. That is God's existential, ontological reality, and and that the doorway into that only opens Mm. by saying yes and taking risks.
0: Mm. So you've been a part of the vineyard longer than I have. Yeah, long time. let's fill out this idea that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Like what was the vineyard trying to get out of that? Or what? how have you used that or experienced that? Like how are we linking fear, risk, and what faith is doing for us?
1: I mean, I think there's some genius in that. So I heard it when I was 19. I'm 52 now. And it was used mostly in the context of praying for people, taking the risk of praying for the sick or um, – and – We probably all know that. I mean, just just this one issue alone in the Christian life. I mean, many of us probably avoid ever praying for anybody because we're like, I'm not good enough, I'm not qualified, I don't know what to do. So the premise being that God will participate in what we do if we take a risk, the risk of not knowing what to say and not knowing what to do, that the act of the risk of putting your hand on someone and praying does something? God is able to do something that He can't if we stay back here and don't take a risk, um, and that's genius. But you can extrapolate that into anything and everything else. And in the Vineyard, we talk about the kingdom of God, the now and not yet. Mm-hmm. So, how do we get from? How do we step into aspects of the kingdom that break into our life now? Well, they they are mostly through risk through. God's invitation through through saying yes to things, taking action around things, mm. um, and those are all very risky. Well, they seem risky. Um, so planting a church, I mean, that, yeah. was, that was huge risk. You know, I had a full time job working in London, and you think you know what you're doing when you're 28 years old and planting a church, but that was that was a huge risk to know if we do this thing, mm. we'll do. And if I leave my other job, you know, well, I wish I'd gone back to it. So faith is always spelt R-A-S-K.
0: Yeah. Well, faith is, um, you know, giving yourself into that unknown. And so it's out yeah. of control uh, and it's, it's, it's no longer managing outcomes. And yep. that is, you know, that's what fear is is kind of wrapped around is, you know, I need to minimize risks, managed outcomes, all these types of things. And so faith is, you know, and then, and on top of that is however I manage my fear is how I manage my fear. Mm. Uh, but faith is entrusting yourself to someone else. Faith is giving over responsibility and that's why it's connected to trust, but that's also why it's connected to hope and why, you know, Christians have connected it to love. So until we, believe that god loves us and that we love god uh it's hard to cultivate faith and it it works at so many levels so i mean
1: think you know how we learn to pray for the sick in our church movement so you know the competence cycle the first Mm -hmm. section you know i don't know what i don't know then i know what i don't know and then i have to practice what i don't know and then i become unconsciously competent you know you know that cycle Mm -hmm. sure And again, I mean, every study will show that most people give up when they get to the second quadrant there because they suddenly realize what they don't know. And it's uncomfortable and it's difficult and it's risky and nothing's guaranteed. And the idea that I now have to do something that feels different with no guarantees and all these things you've talked about, what if people, what if I look like an idiot? What if I make a mistake? What if something goes wrong? What if, what if I'm not successful? Mm -hmm. And That's all that place and space where we can often just withdraw and resist. But actually, for growth, we have to take that risk of doing these things, not just once, but again and again and again and again. Mm. Um, And again, I love that in the vineyard. You know, the stories we used to tell with John Wimber, our founder, you know, it was like you don't just pray once for someone. You just pray hundreds of times. (laughs) Keep doing it. And then you're full circle to the the neuroscience of the best way to break through these barriers is to do these things again and again and again and
0: again. Um, Push through the resistance, fail forward as some of the slogans go. So then to put you on the spot, what is one of the riskiest things you've done recently? One of the riskiest things I've done recently. Oh man.
1: Level of level of risk. uh all right. Well, I'll start then. Go on, you start. I'm. You really stumped me with that question. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, um, as an Enneagram three. Okay. um, For and we haven't talked about Enneagram, but I like to be perceived as competent. Okay. Successful. All right. So, yeah. uh, just for the audience. So I like to be perceived mm-hmm. as competent and successful uh, yeah. in the know. Uh, I yeah. hate looking stupid. Okay. Things like that. So when I was pressing into kind of uh, more of life in the spirit, you know, I started hearing these things from the vineyard, like faith is spelled yeah. um, I had to start doing things that had the potential of making me look like an idiot. Okay. Beyond yeah. just praying for people uh, beyond, or just praying for someone's healing, which is, you know, kind of risky. So I was, I, I entered into the practice yeah. of praying for friends, mm-hmm. um, pastoral friends, mm. um, and receive, asking God to give me a word of encouragement, a specific word that I would write down and then I would text to them okay. um, about it. Uh, and sometimes it would be very specific, like it'd be a very specific image. Um, or Mm -hmm. a prayer request or something like that. And so uh, half the time, um, these people would respond back with thanks, um, which meant, okay, that was weird. Uh, And then the other half, I... People responded back with, oh, that really connected with me. I have a friend who's struggling with cancer, or I have a work situation that's really stressful, and that like, really speaks to me. And so, yeah. But I had to to get that 50% of success where it's like, I actually feel like God maybe was speaking through me to encourage someone else. Uh, I had to push through that 50% failure rate of uh, mm-hmm. looking stupid in front of pastor friends that I want to respect me because I... Have a doctorate, you know, and I train other pastors. <laughs> I don't want to look stupid, yeah. Uh, and so, but that mm. that skill of you know listening from God, <laughs> receiving words of encouragement, um, yeah. is something that I'm still growing in. But that's that's been a couple years yeah. of taking risks and looking stupid, yeah. you know. And, and and the Vineyard and other charismatic churches will do things like calling calling yeah. illnesses out from yeah. the stage, and that's risky because then you. Uh, have to sit there and be like, Well, if nobody has a hurting right knee, well, sure. that's an easy one. someone in a, in a group of 100 people, someone's got a hurting right knee, so that's kind of safe, but you know, like an eye problem. So, anyhow, well, those are some of the risks yeah, okay. that I've been pressing into,
1: yeah, which can sound like small things, but are actually huge because they're the things that you just, you know, where does it feel like you're gonna die? Uh, yeah. so one, so one for me, I mean, this, I'll tell you a couple. Well, let's use the Enneagram nine. So, we, you mentioned the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram four with a yeah. strong three wing. Um, and I have a tendency because of my past to feel like if I just work a bit harder and longer, I can keep life under control. Mm. And COVID has been a huge pressure for all of us. Mm. And I have had to act against my instinct, which is if I do some more emails, if I have some more meetings, if I I can manage or control my way out of this. And I felt I felt God say to me, I needed to surrender. I needed to take a risk. And that was to just spend more time with him. Mm. which I know can sound crazy, but for people, you know, for people who are contemplative and like spending lots of time with God, that's pretty straightforward. But for, you know, you and you're a three, you know, if you've got an activist tendency, you think if it's to be, it's up to me. Mm. So for the last few months to start my day early and just go, if I do nothing else, I'm going to spend time in prayer and believe that changes things. That has been scary for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, just saying it out loud sounds stupid because you're a pastor. Of course you're supposed to pray, but does that, do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Why, why would it be scary to do the thing that you're supposed to do as a Christian in the first place? Right. (laughs) So that's been one, that's been one for me. Um, I've got a friend who became a Christian. Now this one does scare me if I hadn't have taken this action. So, we, uh, have you heard of alpha? The alpha uh-huh. course? Yeah. So that's been this huge over here and our church is inviting people. You know, we, I started stand up as a senior pastor and say, great. We, we want to be able to invite all our friends and people onto the alpha course. And then I go home and I feel like God says to me, well, who are you <laughs> going to invite? Like, me? <laughs> oh, I thought everyone else in church was going. And I'm like, okay. So I'm at a sports club. I'm at, and I've got a good guy who's a friend there. And I did the the thing of I prayed and went, God, who would you like me to invite to Alpha? Mm -hmm. And this guy came to mind. I mean, he was the most stroppy, atheist, even though he was a good friend, giving me a hard time about Christianity. And I thought, there is no way I can talk to this man and invite him to Alpha. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So do you know how I boldly invited him? I put an invitation together and snuck up to his house to put it through his letterbox to try and think... (laughs) I mean, this is my boldness. Yeah, yeah. Would I have died? I mean, I'm a prime example. Would I have died if I had talked to him about Jesus and invited him to Alpha? No. So I run up and I put this through the letterbox. And as I'm running away from his house, he opens the window and he says, what are you doing? (laughs) And I said, I'm inviting you to this thing called Alpha. You probably will hate it and won't want to come to it. And I I literally only did that so I could go home and feel that I had done something. Now, here is where God is good, and Uh he takes the risks that we take. So despite the insufficiency, that was a pretty paltry attempt to respond to God prompting me, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. What he then taught, and he came to Alpha, became a Christian. Um, He was actually at home at that moment praying. He hadn't prayed since he was a kid. Uh Uh-huh. And he was going through, and he was like at the end of life in himself. And he's like, "God, if you're there, I need an invitation from you to something." Mm -hmm. And then I walk up and put this through. (laughs) Love it. Firstly, isn't it amazing that the little risk I took, God multiplies? But secondly, what my friend he has been utterly transformed. He has met Jesus. Mm. I mean, it's just astonishing, and that, that scares me more now. And not taking a risk because I'm like, if I had not done that, what would have happened?
0: Mm.
1: I mean, and actually you met a wonderful woman in our church recently, they've got married. It's just so I think that's the way we and then we talk about that, don't we? Trading risks. There is always the If I give in to that risk, I'm risking missing what God might want to do. So I've gotten a lot bolder. That's helped me. You know that place and space now? I mean, it's not been less successful. I've, I've invited more people to Alpha, and some of them have come, but they haven't become Christians. But at least now, when I find that moment of, oh, I can't ask, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is that thing. I need to ask them. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, well, thank you so much, Jason, for being on today. For all the listeners, um, Jason and I are, we're trying to scheme different ways, maybe not on this Being With podcast, but different ways, of kind of talking about the higher level pastoral theological and neuroscience kind of conversations, so be sure to stay tuned for that. A way to to never miss any of our being with kind of updates, pod uh, podcasts, as well as blog posts. You know, because I'm I'm blogging through different neuroscience books that aren't exactly on the on on the podcast. Um, but please join our being with community. um, You can find that in the show notes, on emails. You can find me on Facebook and YouTube and these other places. Um, So stay tuned for that. Also, Jason is, you know, I just want to plug again his Leadership and Global Perspectives, Doctoral of Leadership at Portland Seminary. Uh, So you can kind of Google that, Leadership of Global Perspectives. Uh, You can find Jason, uh, his online name is Jason Swan Clark. Um, you can find jasonswanclark.org. So thank you so much, Jason. Really appreciate it.
1: Uh, pleasure. It's been great to be with you, Jeff. Thank you. All
0: right, we will talk to you all later. Be sure to like, subscribe, share this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Facebook, wherever you might uh, subscribe or share things. Please do, because there's no other way that people are going to find out about it because this is not a high-paid adventure. This is just me and a microphone and people <laughs> that I find really interesting. So please get the word out. Uh, And again, we're produced and brought to you by Grassroots Christianity.